the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The El Conservador Radio Show is sponsored by Border Hawk News on 9.30 a.m. The Answer. Time for the El Conservador Radio Show with George Rodriguez. George is a constitutional conservative who loves to expose fake news and liberals. Be a part of the show. Call 210-308-8867. And now, El Conservador. George Rodriguez. Howdy, howdy, howdy once again, my friends. George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio, deep in the heart of South Texas. Welcome to the show. We've got a packed one for you today uh, on this beautiful Saturday, very hot Saturday, June 18th. I hope you're staying cool, my friends. It is a scorcher out here in South Texas. So, welcome to the show, my friends. Uh, We've got a packed show So let me tell you real quick who the um, guests are. Uh, We've got uh, the attorney for Kenny County, Texas, Mr. Brent Smith, is going to be talking to us about a a situation, a new policy that has uh, come about in uh, South Texas that is going to make, it's going to make it more difficult, if you can imagine, for residents of the United States, for citizens of the United States, to get any kind of justice regarding this whole situation with uh, illegal immigration, with illegal aliens uh, causing a problem on their property. If you can just imagine. Uh, we also have Mr. Uh, Jason Jones, our good buddy who is uh, with Newsmax, uh, former DPS, Department, Department of Public Safety uh, official, and uh, he's going to be chatting with us about um, uh, what's going on with the cartels and what's going on with the violence in, uh, in, in South Texas. Then we've got uh, Sheriff A.J. Lauterbach, who is, uh, uh, in my opinion, the, uh, the person, the, the law enforcement official, who is uh, most respected uh, regarding the uh, border and what it, uh, the border and the, and the crime that's going on. Uh, he's going to be chatting with us regarding uh, some of the problems that uh, are, are beginning to spill out into the, uh, into the counties and communities away from the border. Our final guest is Mr. Will um, Moravitz, and Will is a uh, former police officer and author. He uh, has uh, written a book regarding the uh, racial tension that uh, the police officers have to face on a regular basis. It is very, very interesting and very important that you listen to it. So, my friends, welcome to our show. Thank you for joining us. Uh, please call your friends and tell them to join us. You can find uh, the uh, program uh, repeated on uh, on KLUP 930 AM radio. But more than anything else, you can also go to the website, El Conservador, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, and you can uh, uh, hear the show. So, my friends, welcome to the, our program. Thank you very much for joining us today. Uh, here we go with our first guest, Mr. Brent Smith, attorney for Kenny County. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio, deep in the heart of South Texas. And we've got our good friend, Mr. Brent Smith, who is the attorney for Kenny County. Kenny County, my friends, is one of the most impacted counties in South Texas uh, with the uh, with regards to the border crisis, the illegal immigration and drugs and everything else that's going on. Um, also, Kenny County has been at the forefront of uh, trying to defend its re- its uh, its citizens, its residents, from this uh, out of control border policy that we have, courtesy of the Democrats and um, the Biden administration. Uh, I wanted to invite uh, Brent to come on and chat with us regarding a new policy uh, that is uh, that is apparently being implemented, which is making it more difficult for citizens to get justice. Yes, for citizens to get justice. Brent, welcome to the show. Tell us about this situation. Thanks, George. Um, yeah, last Friday, a uh, resident of Kinney County contacted the sheriff's office after witnessing legal aliens committing burglary 
um, and criminal mischief, which is in this case cutting fences on his property. Um, Border Patrol was able to apprehend these individuals before the sheriff deputies were able to arrive on the scene. The, uh, the landowner contacted me wishing to pursue uh, prosecution of these individuals for the felony crimes that they were committing. But um, when I contacted Border Patrol, you know, demanded these individuals be transferred into state custody for the felony prosecution, they informed me that they would not release them into state custody for prosecution unless warrants were issued for each person, even though it's a felony. Uh, I informed them that, you know, that no warrant is required under state law for a felony arrest in this situation. But that didn't matter, apparently, because uh, DHS has adopted a political policy aimed at disrupting state, disrupting state law enforcement efforts in protecting citizens in the border. Because, you know, that's what it would take to do that when under state law, <clears throat> you wouldn't have to do that normally. Um, and, and, and also, it's, it's difficult to obtain a warrant sometimes in our county in such a short amount of time before these individuals are released to the country without any way of locating them. But uh, despite this, Border Patrol needs to transfer custody to Kenny County unless we obtain warrants. In this case, however, it was on a Friday where everyone was still in the offices and we were able to scramble to try to get these warrants done and we were able to get them. But there's been other situations in the past where we weren't able to get them. If it was on a weekend or something, that we couldn't get a warrant. And then they were basically, you know, released into the country with no way to do that do anything about it and what's frustrating george is that if these were american citizens there wouldn't need to have been a warrant they would have been prosecuted to the fullest extent of the law but because they're legal aliens we weren't able to do that and so that's a dangerous policy to have and, and it's really really uh you know very very uh a, a a situation where justice is not being given to um to a citizen whose property has been damaged i mean how many how many property damage reports do you guys get uh, oh, regarding illegal dozens, immigration? Dozens, you know, hundreds. Um, the policy fails to provide any justice to the landowner and his family. In fact, it even incentivizes criminal behavior for those who illegally, illegally entering our country. When an American citizen would have been prosecuted, they weren't. So, you know, it, it's, and I contacted Border Patrol, and I'm still waiting for them to call me back, but it's been over a week, and I highly doubt anything's going to come of it. But the other dangerous thing is that if you're a landowner, in Kenya County or any county on the border, and you have private property, and you know that if you call Border Patrol, nothing's going to be done to these people that, that commit crimes in your land, versus if you call the sheriff, at least you'll be able to prosecute them. Why, why would you call Border Patrol? Why would you even let them on your land? If they aren't going to do anything, well, let them be prosecuted. I wouldn't blame the landowner if they refused to let Border Patrol on the property. And that's one thing I told the uh, Border Patrol agent and chief, is that if you continue this policy, ranchers and landowners are going to start not letting you on their property. That's so, you know, it's, that, yeah. that really is tragic. Um, I have personally visited um, some ranchers uh, in other counties in, in South Texas where the damage has been extent. I mean, one, one place has a truck that was involved in a chase that has been sitting in the property uh, for almost three years. There's yeah. another, yeah, another place where the wells were completely, you know, uh, destroyed uh, and polluted, and the and the uh, the uh, the pumps and the plumbing were you know completely destroyed. Who pays for that? The rancher does. Oh. No one else. No. And a lot. You know, another thing they're doing is we have a lot of solar uh, wells now. Instead of you know run by wind, a lot of have solar pumps, which are very expensive. The uh, the little aliens will break into the wiring for the solar pumps and charge their phones. And you know, once they break, once those are that's done. The pump can no longer pump water. They just walk off and leave it. But you as a landowner, if you don't catch that in a certain amount of time, you're going to have cattle, wildlife, everything dying without water. So these acts of vandalism and uh, and destruction, uh, there's no justice. There's There, there yeah. apparently is going to be no justice for the uh, for the rancher if this policy continues. Right. I mean, it's a policy aimed at disrupting law enforcement's efforts to protect the citizens of Texas. Um, and, you know, that's the end result of what happens. And so it's, it's definitely political strategy. It's a political policy because I can tell you, George, at the very beginning of this, before, you know, Kenny County was on the forefront of, of trying to prosecute people, before Operation Lone Star legally existed, we had no problem getting people from Border Patrol. They would gladly hand them over to us. But once it became a political issue, now they won't. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, yep. Yeah. Once, once, the, uh, once the, the folks in Washington began to realize what was happening and uh, the success that you guys were – actually having a deterrent i guess they they said nope let's let's 
do something else. And, you know, my office just received a report yesterday of our re-arrest defendants. You know, defendants that have been arrested more than once, some up to three times. We've arrested upwards of 40 people three different times wow. in Kenny County. So mm-hmm. I think that proves that, you know, we are somewhat securing our county. And if we have that many multiple arrests of certain individuals or trespassing again and again and again, I think, you know, that kind of speaks to our efforts here. And, and and Kenny County continues to be a uh, a highway for uh, illegal immigration. The the sheriff was telling us the other day of the number of uh, individuals that have been captured on the game cameras that uh, that the ranchers have, and it's you know it's extremely high number. It is. It is. Oh, there's we have you know there is a a vast amount of people coming through that aren't being captured by the you know um, but. With the amount of resources we have, I think we're doing a decent job for what we have. Yeah. But there's a lot more, a lot more to be done. But in my opinion, it all starts at the border, at the river. Yep. Um, Something there is key. You got it. Anything else that you'd like to add before we let you go, buddy? No, George, I just appreciate what you're doing and getting the word out. And you're, I think your radio show serves a very important purpose in all this. Well, we, uh, we're doing the, uh, the best we can. And uh, we certainly will share this story with everyone because, I mean, people need to know. People need to know that, you know, that that American citizens are not getting justice served. They're just not there. I mean, this, this is incredible. We'll let, you go. we'll let you go, my friend. Uh, once again, we've been speaking with our good friend, uh, Mr. Brent Smith, the uh, county attorney for Kenny County, Texas. Brent, you stay uh, safe. Thank you, George. Once again, George Lodigas in San Antonio on El Conservador. Hi folks, this is George Rodriguez, El Conservador. Looking for information on immigration, borders, refugee resettlement, asylum claims, nationalism, and globalism? Go to BorderHawk.News. BorderHawk.News has up-to-date information on these topics and their impact locally, nationally, and internationally. BorderHawk.News has the news that's not covered by the other media or websites. Stay informed on one of the most important issues in this country, immigration. Go to BorderHawk.News. News. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio, deep in the heart of South Texas. And we've got our good friend, Mr. Jason Jones, with Newsmax, uh, as well as a former DPS, Department of Public Safety uh, officer who knows about law enforcement. And uh, I wanted to ask you, uh, Jason, tell us about the uh, crime that's beginning to move north of of the border because historically people have been talking about the crime on the border. Well, I got news for you. It's beginning to happen beyond the border. Talk to us. George, good to be with you. And, you know, I just got back from two weeks straight on the border. One of the two weeks I was in Del Rio embedded with the men and women of the Texas Department of Public Safety's Aircraft Division trying to show through working with Newsmax what's occurring down there. And I will tell you, um, without a doubt, whether I'm in Del Rio, whether I'm in South Texas or now, uh, you know, working with uh, the McMullen County Sheriff's Office, which is, by the way, 80 miles north of the border, there is no doubt a, a shift that has occurred where we're seeing more smuggling and more trafficking of people moving north than we have ever seen historically. You know, usually this was something that was occurring only at the border. Now, without any question, let me run you through a few scenarios that happened just while I was there. Del Rio, we were we had three pursuits at the same time in a small community of Del Rio, Texas. We had two helicopters up. We were live on national TV with one pursuit north of Del Rio. When it, when they wrecked out, people ran in every direction. That's called a bailout uh, because the car was full of people who were in the country illegally. And then two miles behind that, George, you had another pursuit that literally came up while we were in hover and went right under us, right past the first pursuit. And we ended up chasing that vehicle over 100 miles into the United States when the smuggler stopped. It was only because the vehicle would no longer run. And then when he get, when he got out, he flips off both troopers who got him at gunpoint and then starts being verbally combative. They finally get him into custody, and the vehicle's full, again, of, of people illegally in the car. 
I left that scene two days later. I'm in McMullen County, Texas, which is south of San Antonio, 80 miles north of the border. And I'm sitting down with uh, Sheriff Shelton talking to him. And the smuggling going on there is incredible. They are damaging ranchers' property uh, because once the pursuits start, what is happening is these smugglers are told to just go to the brush. So they run through these ranchers' fences in these stolen pickup trucks full of people who are in the country illegally. And then they drive for miles, George, through these pastures, through fence after fence after fence. And then that catalytic converter gets so hot that it usually it, uh, it has been catching uh, the grass on fire, and you're having huge, huge pastures burned. So when I tell you that the violence and the crime has definitely moved north, I'm not kidding you. In McMullen County, the day I interviewed the sheriff, um, they had had three of those pursuits the day before I got there. This is happening everywhere i mean i when i talked to the sheriff in pinal county sheriff mark lamb and when i was stationed out there you know his county is not on the border it's a county inside and you know got interstate 10 coming through and back-to-back pursuits there same thing as they pick up people in the desert so where i'm going with this is that we can't look at this issue any longer it's just a border issue it has clearly migrated forward and americans are absolutely being impacted. I mean, I spoke to one rancher that had spent a hundred thousand dollars in fifteen months, George, fixing fences. Wow! I mean, it's 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 really incredible. I, I talked to another one that that, and I interviewed him. Got it out on national television. He lives one mile from the border, and every single night has groups between ten and forty people at a time on his property. Wow. Every night. I mean, absolutely scared to death, being overrun, never goes anywhere without a pistol. And, you know, it's just what they're dealing with. And so when you hear me say things like, and I say this on national television, that our ranchers and our property owners have absolutely been abandoned by the federal government, it is absolutely true. Now, let me ask you, because one of once these, these characters, these, these aliens, make it to an urban area, we have urban areas like here in San Antonio, uh, in Houston, Austin. We have urban areas where, if they commit a crime, they are the issue of legal status does not is not raised, and so therefore, uh, ICE is not called to come pick them up, or um, you know the uh, amount of crime caused by an illegal by illegal aliens is swept under the rug. Uh, isn't isn't that becoming more prevalent and more of a headache? You know, it really is. So there's there's so many issues there, and you're absolutely all right. Look, we have so many millions of people in the country illegally now. This has to be a statistic that is counted for the American people to understand the impact of of the crimes occurring in communities across this country. Because what you have happening right now is the way to look at it is that under the current administration's policies, whether you agree with it or not, is they have told the entire world that you are allowed to stay in this country if you come here. You're, you're either here on a humanitarian parole or a notice to appear, and there are only four countries that are actively being deported that cannot stay here as of right now, and that's Mexican citizens, that's Guatemalans, Hondurans, and El Salvadorians. Everyone else is given a humanitarian parole or a notice to appear. So when they're apprehended for a crime they commit domestically, if they have that, they're not here illegally. Do you see what I'm getting at? So yeah. you're, you're, there's no there's no ICE detainer being placed on them. And then you have the other issue of um, the politics of whatever county, whatever issue. You know, every county in the state and in the country are doing things a little differently. Some are notifying ICE, some are not. So for a detainer to be deported. And it all depends on the status of how they're here. So if you're a Mexican citizen, if you are a uh, Guatemalan, a Honduran, or an El Salvadorian, you're not going to have a notice to appear. You're not going to have a, unless you're a family unit, you won't have these things. So those are the folks that have the eligibility to have an ICE detainer put on them. So it's very complicated. It's not across the board, and it's different in every state and every county based on the political wins of that county so you're absolutely right it's a major major issue and it's a major challenge so we could i mean if we wanted a a real true picture of how much crime illegal aliens are causing in the united states at this point it's going to have to be almost guesstimate 
a guesstimate because I doubt that places like Los Angeles that has that we know has a large uh, alien population, San Antonio, uh, El Paso, these liberal communities are never going to surrender their uh, the, that statistic. That's right. There you go. So anyone that gives you a statistic of here's what the numbers are. Um, most likely is not able to get that legitimately because it's not going to exist in the system. NIBRS, the National Incident-Based Reporting System, has the ability to capture it. That's, that's a good thing. The problem is every state in the country, every county in the nation being willing to give that information. And I can tell you right now, NIBRS is under the Federal Bureau of Investigation. It is so flawed that every state and every uh, agency, law enforcement agency in each state is not providing. So it's faulty from the get-go. You're absolutely correct. So then uh, what, uh, I mean, what, again, uh, the cartels, are they are they involved in all this crime that's being pushed north? Well, what they're doing is very clear, and this is, this is another thing that's really shifted, is they are telling every person that's here, between the ports of entry illegally. Remember, that goes back to those four countries as of right now. Uh, Mexican citizens, Guatemalans, Hondurans, and El Salvadorians. They are the ones that we call the runners. You know, most of what the media shows the folks are these family units that are turning themselves in. They're allowed to stay legally. What I am talking about are what are known as runners. They operate between the ports. They have to pay the smugglers. They have to pay the cartels to be moved into the country because they're going to cross illegally. They're not going to get that notice to appear or the humanitarian parole so the cartels and the smugglers are telling them when you are engaged by border patrol or law enforcement you run and that's your best chance of getting away so it is taking up resources beyond belief so like give you a great example we responded to help cbp with 12 individuals 23 miles into the country we get overhead we see them they're hiding in the grass they're all wearing camouflage except for just a few and as Border Patrol comes in, they run in every direction. Now, think of this, George. we got a helicopter above them. They have horses, and they've got men and women on the ground, and people are running in every direction. And they don't stop until they're exhausted. And if it hadn't been for that helicopter, there's no way in the world they'd have caught them all. You know, and I say that Border Patrol does great work with the, with the horse units and with the sign traffic. But the level of effort that would have taken, I doubt they could have caught all 23 of them without that helicopter. I mean, that's a force multiplier. And to see, you know, and that's the real game changer. You know, we used to talk about our border, George, through the lens of people trying to just make a better life for themselves, because who were they? They were Mexican citizens, some Central Americans who are coming here to try to make a better life for themselves. And it was an issue, but it wasn't anything like we're seeing today. We can't think of our border right now like that. That is not where we are. The world is now coming. And you have to look at it that there are good people coming, and there are some very bad people coming. And the world's problems are coming with them. Yeah, the, uh, that caravan that uh, they are reporting is disbanding. However, the caravan had, they were claiming that it was um, men, that it was women, and mostly women and children. However, when you looked at it, uh, when the cameras actually showed it, uh, it seemed like there were a whole lot of men, young men, in that caravan. It's very true. You're absolutely right. And not only that, a lot of Venezuelans, Cubans, Nicaraguans, again, why? Because this government is telling them that if they come, not only can they stay, they're also going to get a cell phone when they go through processing. Those are the three countries that get a cell phone. <laughs> but also a lot, a lot of Africans and Somalis. So let me just ask you, what database do you check, George, for people who come from Cuba? from Nicaragua, from <laughs> Venezuela, where you have dictatorships. Yeah. What database do you check for Somalians? You see what I'm getting at? Yep. I mean, these decisions, you know, we're looking at this through the lens of immigration. We have ha we have a huge problem. This is much bigger than immigration. This is a national security failure. The likes we have not seen since 9-11. Yep. And I truly believe, I'm, I'm not kidding you, I mean, we are dealing with right now the largest U.S. intelligence failure since 9-11. These, the impact to the American people is massive. Let me just share one with you. I did an interview with one of the troopers who had worked in uh, uh, accident that killed eight undocumented migrants with a smuggler who 
went head on from a pursuit and hit a 13 year old little girl and her father who was driving critically injuring them and they both had to be life lighted and eight people were killed in that vehicle guess what the smuggler walked away and when he was put in handcuffs he looked at the trooper and he said um did you find my cell phone or my necklace he never asked about the people that he had killed or the americans he had hurt and so when you hear me say things like the violence is moving further north the crime is moving further north this is what is happening And see, these stories, this is exactly why I embed with law enforcement, because they are the people on the front lines. The gap between what they are dealing with and the impacts the American people, I'm trying to bring closer together, because when you're with them, you see it. Otherwise, you just get it through the lens of what the media tells you. And they don't have access to go to these areas to be able to really show you what's happening, which is exactly why we're doing what we're doing. Yep, that's right. Jason, tell the folks uh, where they can follow you. And Absolutely. Listen, I'm on Newsmax every day. I'm their national border correspondent trying to show what's really happening down there and how it impacts all the folks. But you can also find me. I'm on TikTok under Tripwires and Triggers. I'm also on YouTube uh, and Twitter and all the social media sites. We're doing all we can, George, to get it out. You got it. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez talking to you from San Antonio, deep in the heart of South Texas. Thank you, Jason. Good to be with you, buddy. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from South Texas in San Antonio. And we've got our good friend, Sheriff A.J. Lauderback from Jackson County, Texas. And uh, he... Uh, is also president of the uh, the Coastal Texas, the Texas Coastal Sheriff's Association. And uh, they're dealing with uh, the issue of the border. Uh, he is the premier, premier sheriff that's dealing with the border here in Texas, uh, or leading the charge, should I say. And I wanted to get him on because um, while we've been talking a lot about Uvalde, while we've been talking a lot about uh, the uh, issues uh, of gun control and gun safety... Uh, we still have a wide open border that seems to be getting worse and there's a caravan coming or there was a caravan coming and uh, at this point we don't really need a caravan they just keep coming across Um, Sheriff, welcome to the show let me begin by asking you this about a year ago the the, uh, governor of Texas Greg Abbott had a meeting in Del Rio and he discussed four things uh, that he wanted to do in order to uh, in order to address the problem of the, of the border at that point. Now, uh, from my perspective, uh, he hasn't attempted to address those things, uh, like trying to build a border, like trying to build a um, or, or a wall rather, like um, trying to provide relief for the uh, landowners. But it seems like everything that he's done has been undermined if not countered, by the Biden administration. Um, what, uh, where in your mind are, are we at this point, one year later? Well, George, thanks again for uh, inviting me on your show. It's always a pleasure to speak with you and, and, uh, and talk about this most serious issue uh, that the United States faces. Uh, I've always thought it was the the largest, strongest monster in the basement um, in the current way that this administration uh, is is moving in a very determined, um, concentrated effort to bring as many people in the United States as they can. And I, uh, I believe they've doubled down on every aspect. I believe it is the key foundational um, cornerstone of this administration and really of the Democratic Party to... Uh, to bring as many people as they possibly can from foreign countries in the United States. I often like uh, liken it to the to the issue, and I, I really started referring to the Democratic Party as as uh, not just a lawless party, um, but one that really is, is really evolved into a uh, a party of crime. Um, you know, the, the the border, you could say, was was put up for sale. 
and uh, that gave it to the cartels. And really, what did we? What have, what has happened to us since then? So the dead bodies continue to stack up. Uh, the smuggled kids, you know, the, the 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 just the pure death toll itself on trying to make the trek. Um, you know, on the on the, the males and females and children, the the absolute violence that goes along with this it affects every county uh, in this nation in one way or another, and the, the efforts from uh, Governor Abbott have been extraordinary uh, by any standard on what he has tried to do with very limited uh, legal authority, and this has always been a problem. Uh, you and I have talked about this on several occasions on on um, when we gave our border up and we found out just how hard it is to uh, stop the federal government on policies that we know and can prove um, and validate that they are destructive to the states. And so, uh, you know, and you've heard me before say that unless we're able to return states' rights, uh, especially for border states, that we will continue to suffer under policies that are that are uh, devastating um, in so many ways to to uh, the border states and to this nation. But you know, Governor Abbott, to, to answer your direct question about it, he's able to give money to landowners under some different, some, some very, uh, very good programs that the legislature gave him money to do. He's built, a, uh, you know, several sections of the wall. Um, how effective that is is is, uh, but you, but you can't fault him for the effort. And this is where I applaud the governor. He's trying to do um, something that would that would turn the tide. Um, against a government that's doing everything it possibly can to change policies and and really um, not observe the law in any way, form or fashion on immigration laws that Congress put forth. And this is this is the true travesty uh, and the legacy of this administration under President Biden. Let me ask you this other question because one of the one of the issues that continues that uh, continues to rise here in San Antonio, probably in other urban communities, is the crime related to illegal immigration and the open border. We've had uh, car chases, which have become very common. We've had, uh, we've got uh, stack, uh, uh, we've got uh, stash houses where illegal aliens are kept. And uh, of course, the distribution of fentanyl has gone through the roof. Now, one of the things that we see is whenever there is an arrest, because we are being politically correct, we being the city council and the county uh, commissioners are being politically correct, the, the question of whether or not the suspects arrested are illegal or not is no longer questioned, is no longer asked. Is there any way that we can find out how uh, how much of an impact illegal aliens are having on uh, on on, uh, on crime locally well George yes the answer is yes you can but it's not easy uh, this information is captured um, whether it's in the booking room whether or not a police officer asks the questions, whether or not a police officer or law enforcement officer has been directed by his supervisors that he would not ask certain questions, uh, which would be, in, in, you know, as far as the, the Constitution of the United States says in uh, Arizona versus Tech, uh, Arizona versus U.S., it became very clear that we were, that we could ask um, immigration questions: um, what country they're from, where they're from. These things were all uh, were all. Uh, very cleared up in that particular legal setting. But the information on whether or not they're illegal and whether or not they committed the DWIs, uh, the thefts, the assaults, those kind of cases, uh, the more serious crimes, the violent crimes, usually we can, we can find those out somewhat easier. But the overall crime impact that we have from the actual citizens who, who come in is is one viable factor. Uh, people who go to prison, you're able to, to for serious crimes, or more serious crime, felony crimes, you're able to get that through the Texas prison system. 
but it's it's uh, Department of Public Safety holds uh, some of the keys to extracting this information on uh, whether a person is in this country legally or not. But it's it, it takes research, it takes it takes time, it, it takes individuals. Um, you know, it may take uh, FOIAs and different things like that to to uncover the information. But it, but it is there, but it's not easy. Gotcha. <clears throat> Sheriff, uh, tell us tell us about your organization and what what it is that you guys do uh, to help the other sheriffs uh, along the coast and with this issue. Well, the Texas Sheriff Regional Alliance, um, you know, is is a group of like minded sheriffs who simply have one golden mind, and that is to represent our citizens here in any way, form, or fashion, uh, where we can increase our efficiency and productivity and work well together. And um, I'm no longer the president of, of the of the Texas Sheriff Regional, but it's um, but the uh, I. I Stand in the role now as a director of that, and so trying to help these other sheriffs as we move forward, and and still try to take on in twenty two and twenty three and twenty four, uh, what this administration throws at us uh, in the form of of uh, the empowerment of the cartel and all the different things that go along with with the other part of the criminal activity that this the administration has. Um, really uh, sold to the cartels and um, when we a border when we abandoned law and, and turned the border over to the cartel then uh, this is what we have today this is the conditions that we live under here whether it's car chases whether it's stolen vehicle whether it's symmetric tons of narcotics uh, whether it's the, the um, smuggled people the active slave units that are being run back and forth here to, with indentured servitude all these things are part of these policies that the Biden administration insists on on uh, putting in place and keeping them in place um, month after month um, you know it, it appears now we're we're uh, over a year into this with, with no relief in sight whatsoever Jeez. sheriff thank you very very much for taking time to be with us we'll get you back on uh very soon so we can talk about other issues and you can give us an update of uh of what's going on we've been speaking with our good friend uh Sheriff A.J. Lauterbach from uh, Jackson County, Texas. Sheriff, thank you very much for taking time to be with us. Thank you again for what you do, George, and the role you're playing in here on informing the public. Uh, you and I have been friends for a long time. We spoke many times about this, and I appreciate your willingness to, to uh, get in this arena and, uh, uh, and keep informing the public of the truth. I appreciate it. Thank you very much. Once again, George Rodriguez, El Conservador on KLUP 930 AM Radio, The Answer. Hi folks, this is George Rodriguez, El Conservador. Looking for information on immigration, borders, refugee resettlement, asylum claims, nationalism, and globalism? Go to BorderHawk.News. BorderHawk.News has up-to-date information on these topics and their impact locally, nationally, and internationally. BorderHawk.News has the news that's not covered by the other media or websites. Stay informed on one of the most important issues in this country, immigration. Go to BorderHawk.News. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador. Talking to you from San Antonio, deep in the heart of South Texas, on KLUP 930 AM radio, The Answer. And we've got a new guest with us, a gentleman that I met recently, uh, Mr. Will Moravitz. Will is a former police officer. And uh, as you all know, we try to get um, police officers or former police officers on the show as much as possible. Uh, we recently had uh, the president... Of the uh, of of the national order of uh, the national fraternal order of police on, and uh, we've um, we want to chat with him because Will has written a book entitled "The Blue Divide: Policing and Race in America," and uh, I want to ask him about the premise of his book because there is uh, there are some problems with uh, policing and race. Uh, in America today, um, we've heard from lots of uh, 
of former police officers, that being a police officer today is more challenging than ever before. And uh, I want to uh, chat with him and ask him about this and ask him to give us um, some idea of uh, where he's coming from, what uh, inspired him to write the book, what did he learn from it. Will, thank you for taking time. Welcome to the show. Talk to us. What? First of all, give us a little bit about your background and then tell us what inspired you to write the book. Okay. Um, well, thank you for having me on. Um, so I'm just a small-town boy from Uvalde, Texas. Uh, went off to college and uh, after 9-11. I graduated right before 9-11, about seven or eight months before 9-11. And after that, it really just uh, instilled, me, instilled in me the desire to, to want to give back in, in some form to the community. Uh, I was actually a youth minister at the time. Um, I am from a military family, but I don't have the hearing qualifications for that, so I joined the police force at City of San Marcos. Uh, did that for a few years, and then went into education. And I'm currently, uh, after getting my master's and my PhD, I'm currently uh, an instructor for St. Philip's College and for Texas State University. Um, the reason why I wrote the book, um, I've been following, you know, this this sense of of policing and race in terms of deadly use of force against black Americans, uh, you know, for over a decade. But then in 2020, after George Floyd was killed and the riots and the narrative of let's defund the police or abolish the police, and you had this this kind of, you know, narrative being pushed around there in all sorts of ways, uh, the police were targeting black people, that there was, uh, you know, s- systemic racism within the police force. And I knew that that wasn't true, not just from my own experience, but from my academic study. So I thought, you know what, even if only 10 people read it, uh, you know, I, I figure I need to write a book to, to try to get that message out there that, that to counter that narrative that exists. Gotcha. And uh, in this, this situation that you're watching right now, particularly with, since, um, George Floyd, since Breonna Taylor, many others that have occurred. Uh, this situation, uh, it, it seems to be uh, fanned. The problems seem to be fanned more uh, by the uh, by the media than than uh, trying to uh, bring uh, some type of uh, of healing. Right. Well, you know, I, one of the things that I, I say often about our media is that. You know, they're in it for, for money. I mean, it's a for-profit business, um, and race sells in this country. Um, we, we obviously have a history in this country of, of system, systemic racism towards people of color. Uh, I personally believe that that ended several decades ago, um, you know, despite many in my profession of academia thinking it still exists. Um but I think people are still interested in race, and so the media likes to cover these types of issues. They don't cover it when white people are killed by police, uh, and they just they don't really you know delve into the the actual data. They'll say things like, "Well, black men are or blacks are thirteen percent of the population, but twenty seven percent of all police shootings, so therefore there's racism." But you know that's like saying that the NBA is racist because. You know, 75% of fouls called uh, in the NBA are against black players, and, and blacks only account for 13% of the population, right? So what you're, what you're missing is how often do police encounter blacks? And the reality is we have uh, very specific data from the FBI, National Victim Crime Surveys, the CDC, uh, that since 1980, uh Young black men, a very, very small percentage of them, account for over half of all violent crime in, in, in America, including homicide. Um, so they're going to encounter police at a far higher rate uh, and in much more tenuous situations than other groups of people. Um, so when you take that into account, um, you know, it, it actually washes out to where some researchers have found that it, that police are slightly more likely to kill whites than they are blacks in the same scenarios. Um, you know, but the media, that doesn't sell. Um, so they, they just kind of want to push it and push it. And, uh, you know, they're doing a, a great disservice to the country. Um, there's an, an acronym that I use for them. It's not my original one. I, I found it from somebody I, I know from, uh, the, from Twitter, but he says media stands for most effective devil in America. 
and you know I, I totally buy into that because they they really can they have really driven us apart on this issue and on many issues the uh, the situation that we also hear about or that I hear about in speaking with a lot of uh, law enforcement folks are the number of of of, uh, of uh, police officers who are leaving uh, either early retirement or just quitting the force plus the number uh, the very low number of people that uh, of officers that are joining or people that are coming in into the profession are you seeing that oh for sure and and you see that mostly in the big cities specifically in uh, more Democrat-run states like New York. Um, I was actually just seeing uh, early on the news this morning, you know, having this mass exodus uh, from New York. And a lot of, you know, a lot of people are retiring early sometimes. A lot of people are quitting. And a lot of them are, are just moving their families to other states where police are not uh, the enemy of the public. Um you know, I know Governor DeSantis down in Florida had, had offered signing bonuses for any officers from these cities that they want to come down and get hired in Florida. And, you know, so I, here in, in New Braunfels, where I live, I don't really – there's quite a bit of support for police. Now, I know uh, – I have friends at SAPD, and it's it's not quite the same there necessarily. Um, but – you know, for a young person wanting a career, like why would you pick a career that, in the best case scenario, is still dangerous and and you know has stress effects effects on your family and your loved ones? Well, why would you join that job if you're also going to be hated by the people you serve when you're that you get no no reinforcement um, from the city you work for or for the elected officials you? you know, that, that are in office, you know, I mean, who wants that? And, and, you know, the fact is that the vast, vast majority of police officers join the force to help people. But at a certain point, uh, the cost benefit, uh, scenario is that, that, you know, it's just, it, it's better to leave. And, you know, I don't blame them. And that's, that's a very dangerous thing because when police pull back or when police, when people don't have enough numbers of police that, that just, you know, makes crime worse. And unfortunately that actually makes it worse for people of color because they tend to live in, in more high crime areas on average. Um, so it's a real, real dangerous thing that, that these cities and, and these politicians are playing. Now, the other, the other aspect of this is uh, the situation where we've got, um, like in Los Angeles, which has become the most, uh, well, Los Angeles and, and San Francisco, have, which have become the most visible ones, we've had uh, district attorneys that uh, have uh, been more pro-criminal than they have been pro-police or pro-justice. And we're seeing... Um, the uh, the uh, district attorney, and we've just watched the district attorney in San Francisco be recalled. Right. Um, I mean, if 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 these folks aren't prosecuting folk, uh, the the uh, the criminals that are being arrested, the people that are being arrested, then you know that's got to be very uh, very much a downer for uh, for the police officers. Well, sure. I mean, you know, you arrest somebody in a violent crime and. And, and then find out, you know, the next day they're out on bail and they're right back at it again. You arrest them two days later. You know, I, I went through, there, there was a, about a two, two and a half week period uh, where either myself or officers on my shift uh, arrested uh, the same guy three times for serious felonies, violent felonies. And they finally decided, oh, maybe we shouldn't release him this time, you know, and it is it is frustrating because you you, know, you put this person away and now you're dealing with them again when you could be dealing with somebody else and, and trying to help another person and it, it just makes you feel like you're not not being appreciated and, and everything you're doing is worth not worthwhile and why are you going to put yourself in that situation to be hurt or injured or killed um, when you know that the very next day, the person's be back doing the same thing, and then you got like in San Francisco. Thank God they recalled that guy. Um, gives a little hope, you know, for the world that San Francisco recalled them. But I mean, 
you could go in and, and steal up to $950 worth of stuff and not even be arrested. You know, and it's like, I mean, of course you're going to run into, you know, an electronic store and steal a $900 TV or whatever. I mean, there's no, there, there's no incentive to pay for it, to be honest, because... You know, you know, the DA is not going to do anything about it. The police aren't going to arrest you. And it just it, it sets up a pretty sad situation in a lot of these cities. Yeah. Um, in closing, let me uh, let me ask you this in closing. Uh, in the premise of your book, as well as uh, your own personal thoughts, what needs to happen? Well, you know, I think on the major level, it would be great if, if the media could be a little bit more objective and unbiased. I, I'm not holding my breath on that one. So I think what the, at the more micro level, encouraging people, especially people who tend to look at police in a negative light, have them join their their county crime stoppers group or, you know, the, the temporary you know, commitment. Go to a citizens' police academy. Um, they they will go through the the use of force training and some of you know some of the things that cops are trained in. And then you go on a ride along and you get to you get to see it. Um, any citizen can request a ride along. You know, at any point, and whether they've been through the academy or not, the citizens' academy that is. And I think that's a great tool for people to really see what it's like, kind of really feel what it's like as well. And then from the police perspective, the police and their allies can do a better job of getting getting this message out there. Um, you know, I think that's something that I've been on a, a couple other police podcasts where they they kind of admit that the, the profession in general historically has just done a bad job. Of, of doing their part to solve the problem uh, of this false narrative. You got it, buddy. Once again, my friends, we've been speaking with our with our uh, friend, Mr. Will Moravitz. Will, tell the folks where they can find your book. Uh, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Walmart, and pretty much any of the, the, the major retailers. Uh, it's available in ebook, paperback, or hardcover. Uh, and if you want to reach out directly to me, uh, you can find me on Twitter at WMoravitz23. That's W-M as in Mary, O-R-A, V as in Victor, I-T-S, 2-3. Once again, thank you very much, Will. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador talking to you from San Antonio on KLUP 930 AM radio, The Answer. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.